Welcome to the Help My Unbelief podcast, the number one Christian podcast designed for the unbeliever. What's up, dude? Hey, how are you today? I'm okay. I see your smile. I'm liking it. Yeah. Someone said someone said that they could tell I was uh, I was a visibly different last week than other weeks. They just noticed your haircut. Yeah. Well, they meant my like attitude and I happiness got, and stuff. I got mine cut too. Yeah, looks good. Are you starting to thin up there a little bit, bud? No. That'd be the worst thing that could possibly happen for you if you started thinning. I am. Um, listen. I'd rip you to shreds. I'm not dude. worried about it in the least bit. I'd call you in the middle of the night just to let you hey, know. Hey, when I'll, <laughs> I had never had her. Uh, she's cut my hair once before, but she trimmed the back and then trimmed the sideburns, and then then the the uh, sinks were empty at that time. So she said, "Let's go wash your hair," you know, and then come back with a haircut. And as I came back, I looked down on the ground and I went, "Wait, you haven't done the haircut yet?" And no. I'll. I mean, yeah. there was that much hair on the ground. Yeah. I, I was pretty surprised. I was more surprised because my wife said, really? You're going to get it cut? She likes it long? Apparently. I don't know. You like 70s, 70s the, style, Larry, huh? Yeah. Well, the last time that I, well, the last time I got it cut, I cut it, it was summer, you know, so I got it really cut short. Yeah. She's not a fan of short. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Maybe I do want to talk about the break already. I think we should talk about it already. You like to do that just to throw me in under the bus? Or yeah. Well, what, why would it throw you under the bus? It's not throwing me under the bus. Because it kind of throws me under the bus. Let me get a verse ready for you. Hold on. <laughs> Thou shalt not take breaks. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit. Um, one of the pastors here came up to me um, after service and started talking to some one of stuff. the respected pastors. Yeah. I mean, all of them are respected. I was like, what are you talking about? There's one that's like, well, he's still, <laughs> he, no, all of them are respected here for that matter. But well, yes, but I have a personal relationship with this. Yeah. One. Well, I don't actually, that's, I have to think about that. I have a personal relationship with all the pastors. Yeah, I don't have like a part. I, I mean, I've done business with her before, but like I, I've never had a personal relationship with her. I remember when I first came to church here, I remember a story um, about her. Me and me and Angela were going through something. I can't remember. I think probably financial difficulties or something. And um, they asked us to raise our hand if we needed prayer. And we did. And we were sitting on like this side of the church back then. And Pastor Didi walks up to us. And she started praying for us or whatever. And when she got done, she turned around and slung her purse over her shoulder and walked away with her head held high. And I said, I don't I don't know what that lady just said in her prayer. I said, but whatever she prayed for, she believes it's going to come true. Amen. <laughs> like, she's very confident about it. We got involved with Pastor Didi right after Darcia got saved. I mean, you know, we knew her, but uh, she kind of took Darcia under her wing. Yeah. And at that time, Pastor Didi had a ministry at the Jesus house. Yeah. And she was taking Darcia to the Jesus house and taught Darcia to uh, pray publicly, uh, taught Darcia to give her story publicly in a manner to encourage others. Um, when we first start using our story that God has got us through or our, or our testimony, Oftentimes, Satan will condemn us 
Yeah. You know, and so we hide it or we're ashamed of it, and that's all from Satan. Yeah. It was crazy. The experience I had on Sunday with her was because um, I was sitting in church. I mean, I'm always honest under here, so I might as well just say it, but, like, I was in church on Sunday, and um, Pastor Kevin said, he said, raise your hand if you're going through this or if you want to have a miracle or something. I started to raise my hand. And I don't know if you saw that, but I put my hand down right away. I was like, and I started talking to God. I was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm, I'm done going down to the front. I was like, I'm done asking for prayer. I'm done praying. I was like, you don't, you don't ever do anything anyway. I was like, this is all a waste of time, and this is fake, and... This is fake, and I just, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm done being fake. If I'm going to have a relationship with you, it's going to be 100% real. I'm not doing it because these other people are doing it, and I want to fit in with these other people. It's either going to be real or I'm not doing it. I'm done. And then after service happened, I mean, I stayed far away from Pastor Gary. I stayed away from everybody. I stayed I stayed over here in this corner. I was like, I'm getting out of here. I was like, I'm, I'm leaving. I, didn't, I don't feel like talking to nobody. I just want to go home and be done. And then she's like, you want to go to lunch with Larry and um, Chris? And I was like, no, no, I don't. Um, and then she's, Angela's like, and I'm like, okay, we'll go to lunch. Fine. And then as I'm walking out in the parking lot, she honked her horn at me and got out of the car. And she goes, I, she's like, you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but I'm supposed to pray for you right now. She's talking about like the Holy Spirit has guided her to pray for me. She started telling me that, she started saying that, like, she's like, I know you feel fake right now, and you feel, and I'm just like, Pow. I mean, I had just got done, like, just not even 30 minutes prior to her saying that. I was like, it was like five minutes, and I, on my way out, I was thinking that stuff, and she's, like, saying it to me directly to my face. I know you feel fake. I know you feel this isn't worth it, but she's like, keep, keep doing it. Even if you, even because I told God, I was like, I'm not worshiping you anymore because it's fake. Unless it can be real, I'm not doing it. She, She's saying, that God's saying, doing it, do it anyway. Do it anyway. And I was like, whoa, okay. Because I'd made that choice. I'm The only thing I know to, do, know to do during this situation is is keep showing up. I was like, I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the way I am. I don't like the way this is going. I was like, but the only thing I need, I'm not going to stop showing up. I'm not giving up. Then that would be giving up, right? Well, then she told me, she's like, you need to, um, she's, she told me that, that she's seeing like an ox. She looks at me like an ox and I'm yoked and I've got all this stuff going on and that an ox needs to be unyoked sometimes. Sometimes she told me, she told me to unyoke from a few things. And so what we're going to, what we're going to do is, um, we're going to take a little break from this podcast. Okay. And it's something that's sad for us too, but I th- in the long run, this is going to be so much better for this show. And I'm going to explain why. So just, I'll, I'll give you guys an idea of how this is going to go. So you guys are going to get an episode every week, all the way until January 30th. January 30th is going to be your last episode. Okay. And then after January 30th, you won't have an episode. But you said January seventeenth was our last one. Well, we we record it on January. We record the episode on January twenty fourth. So our last episode we record is on January twenty fourth, but it that doesn't go out till January thirtieth. Oh, okay. So when that episode goes out on January thirtieth, 
you won't get another episode again. We will be back in the studio, and we are going to record our first episode back on March the 6th, and you will have that back on, you will have your first episode back on March the 12th. And then we will be back every week um, until we decide to take a break again. If we decide to take a break again, we've talked about doing one a year, um, doing one break every year, um, but I don't know what's going to happen. The reason why I say I don't know is because everybody needs uh, breaks, but I've been doing this all myself. And ever since she told me to unyoke from some of this stuff, I realized that what I'm doing right now is not sustainable. So during the break, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be putting people in place to be active in the ministry to do some things that I'm doing. I'm not going to be doing these things anymore. Um, I've already reached out to one of my buddies in the UK um, to take over some of these things, uh, to a few things like Coco's doing the clips. Mark is going to be um, ha- handling the producer um like the quality of the show. We're going to start adding segments in the show, so it'd be a little funner. He's going to start making sure we stay on time with the guest and the guest gets more time and that we show see that the quality of the show improves. Um, I'm going to have somebody that's going to actually be doing the scheduling of the guests, and then I'm actually going to have an, a, an editor that's editing the shows themselves. That way the quality of the show actually um, improves as well, the video quality. And, um, and the audio quality for that matter. So we're going to have an actual editor. We're going to have somebody doing something that way the show can improve in all a- uh, aspects. That way it's not just me doing it. And I'm sitting here pretending like it's a burden and stuff. When in actuality, this is a gift that we get to do this. This is a blessing. That's how I see it. And well, I don't. Then the reason why I don't is because of how much I have to do and how stressful it is. I think we can get to that point where I look at it like that. Cause I know it is, I know it's a blessing. I understand that, but it's so overwhelming the stuff I have to do. And we don't get, um, nobody get like, I don't get to improve the quality cause I'm just trying to get stuff done. I'm just trying to get stuff out to make sure everybody gets gets their episode out on time. And so I don't I don't edit the shows. I don't do nothing. I just throw it together and put it out, you know. We need to have somebody that actually cares about it that actually like Coco in the clips. He's doing so good with those clips, dude. I agree with you on that. Yes. And so but that's his only job. You see what I'm saying? That's why I decided like I was going to ask Coco to schedule the guests and I was like, "You know what? If I put that on Coco, then I'm doing the same thing as I was doing with me." where I get so overwhelmed, and then Coco's going to be so worried about getting it done that the quality of the clips or the quality of the guests is going to go down. So we need one person doing one job, and that's it. One person doing one job every time. A delegation of authority. Yeah. So essentially, um, that's the way it's got to happen. I need to take the break so I can reset. We're, we're starting to adhere to not sound doctrine. Um some of the things that I've been saying, I don't even believe lately. And, and I've just, I feel like I've been cowarding out and that's why I've been so miserable lately. I put my finger on it finally. Cause I had a freak out the other day and I realized that the man that I'm being right now and the man that God is calling me to be are two different people. And I'm still trying to hang on to that old man. I'm still trying to hang on to him and be him. But the new me is, is in conflict with that. If they're at war with each other and I'm still trying to hang on to it because this is comfortable and this over here isn't comfortable. This, the, the, the man that God wants me to do, it takes a little bit more to be him. But I, that's why I told pastor Gary that day that he was in here. I don't feel like I'm that guy. And I realized I'm not, I'm not that guy. I can be, but I got to let God, God put me there. I got to let God do that. 
to me. I got to allow him to do it. But I'm not him yet. I'm this guy. I'm the old guy. And I, to be honest, I told you this earlier, but I don't like that guy. I don't okay. like the old guy. You're man. not that guy. You're the new creature in Christ that you haven't fully accepted everything that comes along with that. Yeah, and true. If you if you want to use a secular movie to show a good description of what I'm trying to say. Little Nicky. I no. Just good Lord, I don't even know what that is. No, but um I'm reminded of a, a clip I saw of Venom. Yeah. Okay. Where the the creature that he becomes, right? Is the angry one. You can't really control it, right? Mm. And when he separates, it's that pulling away, almost like duct tape on a skin, where it's real hard to pull it away without the pain. And the guy's going through a lot of pain. Your old man is clinging. Yeah, I can feel it too. Clinging, and he's pulling, and and that's going. That's part of the process of becoming a Christian and yeah. being able to walk in the new life that you have accepted yeah. by accepting Christ into your heart. Yeah. What we are used to in our flesh is doing everything on our own. It, the only thing, the only way it gets done is if I do it. Yeah. That's not how it is with Christianity. Yeah. How it is with Christianity. Christianity is allowing Christ to be the overcomer in your life, allowing Christ to give you the strength, allowing Christ to give you the joy in the conflict, allowing Christ to actually give you the strength to make it through each and every day. Yeah. And those tests that we go through, I've mentioned it on here before, the refiner's fire. I've been through the refiner's fire. It's hard. Yeah. This is crazy. It's the hardest thing I've ever been through. For but it's sure. also a never-ending process until you stand before the Lord. Yeah. Fully. Yeah. In heaven. I mean, that's when it ends. It's, yeah. It, it is a process. You get used to it, though, don't you? you get, get more used to it? Like, it doesn't hurt this bad forever? Because that'd be miserable. Um, I, I'm not going to say get used to. Yeah. You learn to... Ex understand and you've learned trust to trust in the lord yeah. you know um psalms 118.8 tells you to trust in the lord not man we are used to trusting in man mostly ourselves, and now the mindset changes to where you start trusting in the lord that doesn't come immediately that comes with trial and error a lot of it you start learning to relinquish control over your life to god you start developing the, and strengthening the faith that it takes to have trust in the Lord. In the end, after a lot of it, you know, your flesh still fights. My my flesh still fights too. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm practiced. Yeah. Practiced. That's a good word. I'm practiced. Yeah. At, at rebuking Satan feel, and getting him off me. I don't want to feel this uncomfortable all the time is what I'm saying, and which I can see where it won't, uh, I wouldn't, but really. Well, what you said about I'm not going to raise my hand anymore, okay? I, I was there. Dude, I'm one of the bigger guys in church. When I raise my hand, people see me. Yeah. I don't want to be seen. Yeah. I don't want to be noticed. And that's what Satan whispers. 
Yeah. You don't want to be seen. You don't want to be noticed. Everybody's going to think you're faking it. Everybody's going to. He whispers in my ear all the time, too. You know what I do? Shut up. Hallelujah. Yeah. I mean, when you hear me scream, that's because all the joy that the Lord has given me is just coming out. And the fact that he has given each and every breath in my lungs to me. Literally. That's what. That's (laughs) literally. I, I didn't tell you this in there, but like. I have so much conflict, and it's a conflict that everybody has. I have so much conflict in my life now that I'm not used to. Used to, I'd avoid, I'd avoid conflict. But the positions God's put me in, there's just no escaping it. Like I have conflict everywhere I go. Every day, there's conflict. Lord, I'm giving this to you. Lord, you know? I'm giving this to you. But you're not in control anyway. What I hate about my, well, I told you I hate myself earlier, mm-hmm. is um, what I hate is I sit here and watch myself whenever a conflict comes up. I go with the grain. I go with the grain. No matter what I believe, no matter what I feel, I always go with the grain. Like I end up agreeing with the person so the conflict stops, right? Instead of being truthful to what I believe. Like like the idea, the, the idea of hell that we've been going on. I, I do believe there's a hell. but I, I been, don't have a choice. It's actually yeah, written here in the Bible. But besides that, my point is, I've been borderline agreeing that there's not just to like, and I, when I leave here, I hate myself for that because I'm just sitting here allowing conflict to decide what my beliefs are. And I'm allowing people to kind of roll over me a little bit, you know, it's not that they're trying to roll over me. They have their beliefs and I'm just like, Oh no conflict. Here it goes. But like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a coward. I don't want to be a guy that just allows conflict to boil up in me and just goes with the grain. Well, that's the problem. Whenever Satan tells comes into me and whispers in my ears, starts telling me certain things about myself, what do you think I do with that conflict? I do the same thing I do with everything else. Internalize it. I, I internalize it. I go with it. And it's just who I need to be as a successful man and leader in Christ. I've got to allow God to make me that way. And, that's, and I cannot be happy. And I'm sitting here blaming God this whole time for it. I've been upset with God and he's up there twiddling his thumbs, just waiting for me to pull, realize what this whole thing was and wait for me to take that next step. And I'm, I'm glad he has, I'm glad he's waited for me to do it because be glad he's patient. Yeah. No, because, I mean and, like, no, he is patient. He's patient with me. He was patient with Darcia. He's patient with you. He's a, he's patient with his people because he understands where we're being. It's crazy how patient he's been with me because Very I've, much so. I've said some crazy stuff to him, but, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a quick example. Everybody with an earshot knows how much I love my wife, how much I adore my wife. And I'm not, I'm not bragging about this, but our, our church is going through the 21 days of fasting. One of the things that I have, I said, one of the things that I have chosen to fast is meat. Okay, because that I'm a meat eater, so it it's not supposed to be easy. You dig what I'm saying? Um, but my wife, I was unable to eat anything at the ambassadors for lunch because there was nothing that I could have eaten. I I don't eat salad very well. I have a personal issue with it. Um, but she, you got beef with salad, dude. No, I don't have a beef with it. I have a personal issue. Let's not go there. Are you holding unforgiveness in your heart to salad? <laughs> huh? No. No, but my wife goes, you can have a chicken sandwich. Go ahead. And I'm like, 
get thee behind me, Satan. Yeah, you called her wife Satan. Right? Nice. Yeah, called my wife Satan, but in a biblical term, she felt, you know, hey, you, you need to eat something. And that's all my wife was concerned about was really, Larry, you need to eat something. And mm-hmm. I'm saying, but that's not what I'm going to eat. I'll have to get something when I get home. I'll get a can of vegetables or something, so I'll be ready for church tonight. But my point is that I have to stand firm on my belief, even if Satan uses my wife to tempt me. Well, and you're in full winter, Larry, right now. It doesn't matter. Shut up. You could skip a couple meals. Shut up. When when Christ went into the 40 days of temptation, Satan was there. What did he use to tempt him? He used the word to tempt him misquoted but he used the word to tempt him satan will use everything zach everything everything to tempt you every bit of this is to cause doubt and conflict in your life well he he had a number on me there for a while like i don't know but i've been waking up these last couple days and i've just been because i know i know satan is here and i know he's watching and i know he's He's been working on me lately, and I've been physically speaking to him. And I just poke him in the eye every time he comes at me. Just poke him in the eye. And I just—I've told him the last two days. I woke up. I've just—I've kind of just felt this nagging feeling in my ear and stuff like this. And I just say, "I—I'm not choosing you. I'm choosing God." Like I just want to let you know that. I want to let you know that that you're you're wasting your time. I'm choosing God. Other than other than that's not going to work. Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. Whatever comes across, whatever Satan's going to use. Do you have to talk to him in you, King James? Or can you talk to him in NIV and it'll be fine? Well, it is written would be proper grammar do you for have to any say of the, them. If he's like, you didn't say the, I'm staying. Really? Do you want to go that way? <laughs> no. Resist the devil and he will flee. Or should you say, back up, fool? Resist the devil and he will flee. Mention, yep. mention the word to him. And he runs. All right. I would I would stand here and no, I'm not concerned about Satan. I have victory over him. Do Whoa. you know why I have victory over him? I know. Because Christ died on the cross and gave me that victory. Okay. Well, we're not gonna have time to talk about um we're gonna get straight into Matt today, but um here in a minute. But yeah, I wanted to announce that break. Um I know a lot of times and I and I understand dealing with um unreliable people. And so I want to assure the audience this, that the dates I just gave you are solid and these are for sure dates and we will be back on those dates. There will be no extension of the break. There will be no lessening of the break, even though no matter, no matter how bad me and Larry would want to return early, we're not going to, we're going to hold true to that, um, those dates. And we are not going to be extending them either. Um, this is not going to be a permanent thing. This is a ministry that um, Larry and I and Mark and Angela and everybody that the families here have committed our lives to. Um, and unless God pulls the plug on this, then we're not going anywhere. So, but sometimes a break's needed, and I think a little reset. Um, and I think you're gonna def- you're gonna definitely see a different me when you get back. Um, I'm gonna do the things necessary for me to get back and to be able to lead this thing into. Um, into the next level. And that's where I want to take this is to the next level. Whatever that means, we're leveling up. We're not leveling back. I feel like this last six months I've went backwards um, and I'm not going backwards anymore. 
I'm going forwards. And that's what this break's going to do. It's going to project us forward. Um, and so, but I love all of you. Thank you so much for being loyal. I hope you understand. I know this sucks that you guys are, you guys are going to have like five weeks with no episodes, but I promise you, um, I promise you what? You, I'm, I'm just saying four weeks. I didn't know where you were going. Five. It might be five. It might be five. Let me look. So they're going to not, they're going to have an episode on the 29th. Hold on. And then they <laughs> now he's giving you a different date. <laughs> oh no, they're going to have an episode on the thirtieth, and then they won't have one on the sixth, the thirteenth, the twentieth, the twenty seventh, or the fifth. So yeah, five weeks with no episodes. Yeah, and they'll have one on the sixth. So yeah, five weeks. We'll come back before the five weeks, Gary. We'll record, but then they'll get that extra one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. The episodes won't drop for five weeks. Well, you know how I feel. That'd be like telling me six months from now. Yeah, it'll be fine. You'll be fine. We'll all be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be better, I'm telling you. I'm I'm not slowing down. Yeah. Don't trust me. Trust God. No, I I don't slow down. Trust me. First, whenever she she brought this to me and brought that I needed unyoked from this, I I instantly got... I completely understand because, I mean, when Dee Dee speaks into our life, we listen... I you, got mentioned, you mentioned though. quite a while back about being careful on who you allow to speak into your life. Mm-hmm. Dee Dee is one of those that is allowed to speak into Darcy in my life. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah. Yep, you need to pick a few. Uh, you're talking about when I said pick a few people and then don't listen to anybody else. Yeah. That's a smart rule to abide by because a lot of people want to um, Give you their two cents on the way you yeah, should live nope. your life. She doesn't. She gives me what God has given her to give me. Yeah. And every time it's been spot on. I mean, like, listen, if she would have just came up to some, like, Didi, like, come up to me, like, someone that I barely know and told me I need to uh, leave the podcast and take a break from it, I would have told her no. I would have been like, I would have been like, okay, I'll think about it and left and been like, I'm not leaving nothing. But the, it was the stuff she said before me. Exactly. There was some, there was some, she was late. Where hey, do you think she got that knowledge? This isn't coming for me. And it obviously wasn't because what I was saying was not coming out of my mouth. I didn't even tell her the things I was saying. And then whenever I went outside and she started saying that, she started crying because she knows me. She's been there for the last six, eight months or whatever. And she knows exactly. No, she's been there a lot longer than that. Well, yeah, but. But what I've been going through, she knows, and I'm very vocal when I'm around her, so she knows that me and God's been, because me and her have, we've been okay. But I've been at odds with God, and she's seen every single bit of it. Well, I know that because the phone calls to me slowed down. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of a hard guy to talk to whenever you're going through the mud with God. You're kind of a hard guy to talk to. I. I'm a hard guy when I'm going through mud with God. No, when I'm going through stuff with God, you're kind of a hard guy to talk to. Why? You're kind of like heavy-handed, like, and I'm already, so, so whenever I'm already, like, here's the deal. When I'm looking at God like he's too Mm heavy-handed, and I call you, you're like even more heavy-handed than I think God's going to be. Like when you said the other day, I was having an issue with hell or something like that, Mm -hmm. and I was talking about hell, and what'd you say? And I said, um, I can't remember. I can't remember what you said. I don't want to put, huh? Yeah, when you get to the guest. But I don't know. You're just very heavy-handed. You're very very heavy-handed. 
Sometimes I need to hear that, but sometimes I don't. Well, the big thing is that this is my truth. Uh-huh. And it mentions and it tells and it describes. And therefore, I can't dispute. if I'm, I can't pick and choose what I want to believe in this Bible. Yeah. I either believe it all or I can throw it all in the trash. I understand. That's it. I understand. I don't mean to be heavy-handed, but I do mean to be truthful in my statements. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Just like when you called me out on that, I didn't actually find a particular verse. In my opinion, that's what I feel God revealed to me. What he did, there are several of those verses in there that actually state to stay with one wife uh-huh. and that she is to stay with that husband and that it is only to be between them on that relation. And there's a reason that that's the sanctity of marriage is designed by God for that long before there was men with so paperwork. So what you're saying is, what you're saying is the whole deal about being married when you have sex, that's your personal belief. Yes. You believe that, but you can't prove it biblically. Not going to prove it biblically because it's not worded exactly okay. that way. Now, I'm okay with that. But I, God ordained marriage before men were there to judge or to uh, write the paperwork up. I've developed a lot of personal beliefs from reading the Bible that I can't prove, right? Just like whenever whenever I say that, I think Revelation 17, 18, the, the great prostitute. I was reading that today, yeah. Yeah. Um, when I talk about the great prostitute being mm-hmm. America, yeah. like a biblical scholar, like um, Gary will tell you exactly who it is based off of studying the Bible and stuff like that. And I'm just, I'm reading it. And that's what I felt like I got spiritually from it. And it was obvious to me when I read it, but like, he's going to give you a bunch of Bible verses that back it up and stuff like that. And I'm going to be like, that's just the way I feel. You got to yeah. read it in the NLT. It'll pretty much slap you in the face. Do you think it's America? Uh, I think that you had... Your, I think your thought was validated. Yeah, you saw what I was th- saying there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, ever it? since you see, said that to me, I'm, I've read different versions. I got the NIV, got the King James, or New King James, and then now I got this NLT. And I think it's more prevalent in this where you can see that. You should, I got a DM this morning about someone from overseas that like that had a dream about America imploding in the ocean, and it all came from bombs that's under the water. And I, 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 I've never personally told him about my belief about that. He may have listened to the podcast and heard us say it on there before. But, I mean, that's I believe I believe America sinks into the ocean, but I believe it's the thing that kicks this whole thing off, too. So, yeah, get your passport. The only thing that I can take issue with on that is whether or not it would be after the rapture or before. Yeah. Okay. So like, I think if, if the rapture happened, I I still think that there's going to be a lot of people that turn to the Lord as soon as the rapture happens, because they're going to recognize what it is. And I'm not here to argue with you about whether or not that's in the Bible. I'm here to say that that's my belief. And I believe that it's going to open up the eyes of several people that were raised that way. So you believe away. rapture first and then revelation, the great prostitute. Well, you think the rapture is before the great. Yeah, and, you here, don't and here's why I, I do not believe that in my opinion, I, I don't feel that God would destroy the Christians that are actually here serving the Lord. Well, he gives a warning in that he mm-hmm. gives a warning to the Christians and, and not necessarily to the Christian, but he gives a warning to people because he says, depart from her or you will share in her wrath. Like that's a warning. God's telling you, 
to wherever wherever this great prostitute is or where the Babylon the Great is, the great city is, he well, he straight up well, warns you. We're depart. already in the end times big time. He says, depart from her, you'll share in it. I saw where there was um, the one of the rivers in Russia actually turned red. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Floored me. Because, yep. you know, here it is. There's another one. There's another one. Did you fact check that? Fa- was that a Facebook article? Larry? I don't fact check stuff. God, no, man. I don't know how to fact check Gosh, stuff, dang but, it. I, but I, here's, here's why I don't it's written in the Bible, whether it happens now or not, if that, if that helped turn 10 people to the Lord, because they read it in the Bible and there it happened, then I'm all for it. The Whatever reason, it takes. The reason why I think, I think if, if the, if the great prostitute or Babylon, the great really is America, if it really is, and I think it's going to be such a large event and it's going to be so clear from the Bible that we're going to, we're going to have like physical proof that the Bible prophecy is unfolding right here in front of us. We already do. And they're still turning their, yeah, and, but that's what I'm saying too. Like, yeah, they're, they're, they'll still find a way to turn their nose up to it. Yeah. They're going to turn. Look, that's my personal belief. It's my personal belief based off nothing I've even read though. Right. It's just kind of like in my head that I think it's the first thing just based off of like logic, it, but it's like nothing, nothing solid. I was flipping through a couple of movies yesterday because the ice, the little bit of snowstorm that we had yeah. in the seven jackknife trailers here. And right, so I stayed so home. That's crazy. So I stayed home because the wind was blowing real hard. Wasn't anything I could really do. But so I, I started flipping through the deals and I was looking at movies my subject, I wanted to be about the rapture. So I'm watching a couple of them, and they were going over the different things that were happening in the world on this. And it, it just, it, it floors me that there's that many interpretations of what's going to happen. Yeah. And they're all still leaning toward the basic of truth. Yeah. Okay? But... One of the comments was a um, was a newscaster in this movie, and they were talking about it being the rapture, and apparently this was post-rapture in this, and they said, well, that couldn't be. That was debunked the first day after it happened. We know it was aliens, and I, <laughs> I remember our podcast, you know, a little bit back, and I was like, oh, my goodness, here we go. Yeah. I mean, here we go. You know what it is? It's uh, people want to be... Rather than seek truth, people want to be unique, and they want to be, yeah, I'm a, I'm a third-generation rapture denier uh, survivalist. And it's like, you just want to call yourself all these weird names. Like, I'm just, you know what I am? I want to know what the truth is. That's what I want. Like, rather than be unique and call yourself this special, like, type of Bible theologist or whatever, what's the truth? That's what I'm looking for, right? Well, I saw a, also a... a deal that was mentioned about the uh, new microchip that's in the back of your hand and she's it's actually going on in uh, australia and i had a dream it was a whole clip on it and so it was brought in by a person that is like look at you know look at the mark of the beast and all that you want to know what the, the name one of it is? problem that i have with that is that the antichrist is the one that brings in the mark of the beast you want to know what the name of it is? Did you hear what I said? The Antichrist is the one that brings it in, yeah. Is the Antichrist here? The Antichrist is be. here, but is he in power? He no, He's not no. in power yet. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we know about it. That comes at three and a half years into the tribulation. Do right? you, want to, you want to know what the name of it is? Sure. 
So when I was a kid, I had a dream. Seriously, I had a dream of what the mark of the beast was going to be. I was like a little kid too. Like I was mm-hmm. probably no more than ten years old. And I remember, you know what? I'll say it on the air. I don't care. I don't care. I'll say it on the air. So I was laying on this table. I remember laying on this table. I don't even think I knew what the mark of the beast was yet. And I didn't know where it went or anything. But these doctors, I was on on this metal table and there was lights like this hanging over me. And um, these doctors were leaning over me and they were about to put something in my forehead. And I said, what is that? And they said, it's an ED. I was like, an ED? I was like, spell it. And they said, E-D-E-Y. And when they spelled it, the letters actually popped up in my frame of vision. It goes E-D-E-Y, all capital letters like that. And then they started implanting me, and I woke up. And I just, I've always remembered that dream since I was a little kid. I, too, thought it was the uh, barcode, that they would have an individual barcode. Mm Mm-hmm. On your hand or on your forehead. So if you ha- hear of anything coming out called an ED, E-D-E-Y. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard the actual name. I, well, I, I wasn't I, paying attention to the actual name. Throughout the years, I've Googled but it. She was talking about buying her food and checking in all her medical information. Everything's on this, and that's how they're selling it. But I really honestly think that the technology is there. I do feel like it when it really com- becomes what it is, it will be... It has to be. That'll be the toughest thing anybody has to go through. Yeah, but it'll miss. People are going to fall for the lie. Yeah. Because that's what Satan does. Well, in order still to survive, even if even if you know it's the mark of the beast, like it's still going to be hard not to take it because you got to do that to survive. And then people read gonna, what it says about if you take the mark of the beast. It's still going to be hard for people not to take it. I right. guarantee it. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, okay, let's get with Matt. Um, Matt is uh, a struggling believer, and he's a former occultist, but he is a Christian now, so um, let's just talk to him. Matt. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Matt, how are you doing, bud? Not too bad, not too bad. How are you guys? Not bad, dude. Uh, sorry, Larry, talk forever, dude. It's all my fault, <laughs> Yeah, I Matt. figured that's what it was. Freaking Larry, dude. That's okay. I got big shoulders. I can hold on to it. He can hold on to the blame, that's he right. says. How, so what what's going on today, man? You got any special plans? Or are you just excited to be part of Help My Unbelief? I just cut off work early, um, so the rest of the day it's just you guys and whatever else. Heck yeah! Um, okay, so uh, you have you watched any full shows before? Oh yeah. Okay, awesome, man. You uh, said that like you watched them all. Uh, I'm I'm not up to date. Um, cause I switched jobs about two months ago, but prior to that, it was, I was up to date. Yeah. When I was working, I would just have you guys on in the background of my headphones. So. Nice. Well, part of me goes, yeah, hey, you only worked for eight hours. You still got 16 left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. So I, I don't know if, if I had 16 hours, I wouldn't want to listen to me and Larry. If I had to break, I wouldn't want to listen to me and Larry. I don't know. Good? Especially you. It's not that no. Okay, uh, well, I'm not going to explain the show to you then since you already know. You already know that we're not a debate show, not here to um, debate or anything. But you're, you're a Christian anyway, so we're just going to have a good conversation. And at the end of it, we'll go around and do the rounds, and everybody will get their chance to talk. And since you're our guest, you'll, uh, 
you'll get the final say here. Um, I'm going to go around the room and introduce everybody to you real quick. Um, Mark's not Mark couldn't be here today. He he's actually working. So praise the Lord for that. Let's yes. Go, let's let's clap for Mark. <laughs> Mark's working. Thank God for that. But we we, we do miss him. Uh, my lovely wife Angela is here. Hello. And then, hey. And then my wonderful co-host Larry. How you doing, Matt? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. And then I'm I'm Zach. I'm the one that you know. I cut off my hair and now I look like the white version of John Stamos, unless John's white. And then, <laughs> and then uh, it's just, you know, very handsome. I think, I think you should have got my reaction to that on tape. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. I know. Yeah. Very, very handsome. Are you kidding? John Stamos. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm probably better looking John Stamos, honestly. Sure. Okay. Don't say Stemus either. What'd Whatever. You I don't know how to say his name. Don't say Stemus. It's Stamos. Isn't that the one from? Oh, Full House. Full House. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm better. Good looking hair. Than. Yeah, oh, way better. Okay. Hey, don't say that. Don't <laughs> don't go down this road, uh, Matt. So, what would you what what would you consider yourself now? You're a Christian, right? Uh, I would consider myself a Christian now, but I would say I'm a struggling Christian. Is what I would say. Yeah, what are you struggling with particularly? Like, if you if you had to sum it up, like, what are you struggling with? Um. Man, honestly, the past two years of my life has really changed a lot for me Um, because the lifestyle I used to live versus the lifestyle that I live now. Yeah. I felt really led by God. And um, now I've kind of done what I thought, you know, was supposed to do. And now I kind of feel lost and abandoned in a way and i think that that's kind of why i'm struggling with my faith and i know a lot of it's on me um but also like there's it's hard for me to explain um you feel abandoned by god yeah 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 i mean wasn't the introduction pretty much talking about this yeah. How does that, God do that for us? He does it like all the time. God does it all yeah, the time. Because I, mean, I was it, just talking about this in the intro of the show that like how how I'm in, I'm in a place right now where uh, just a couple day, days ago, I kind of woke up because you if you haven't watched like the last five or six shows, I have been struggling with my faith as well. Matt. And I don't know if you've seen that those struggles that I've been doing, but I've been struggling as well. And what I realized these last couple days was that I'm at conflict with the man that God is calling me to be, but I'm still clinging on to my old self. Does that make sense? I literally said this to yeah. my, I said this to my wife uh, yesterday. I said, I hate myself. I hate me. And, and I don't think I'm wrong for saying that. And the reason why I don't think I'm wrong for saying that, and I'm not saying that in a way like, oh, poor me, I hate myself, I'm depressed. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the man that I've allowed myself to be lately, I hate him. I don't want to be him. I wouldn't want to be around anybody like that. Why? Because I'm a coward. I'm a coward. I make I make poor decisions, um, and the decisions I make are, and the people that make decisions around me that I probably should stand up to and hold up, hold up sound doctrine. I don't, I back up and I, and I cower into the shadow and I hate that dude. And I hate myself for it. I hate myself for it. I hate myself for allowing myself to get to that point 
to where I'm just weak and I'm just pathetic. Whenever I could still stand up for these things and still be as loving and as meek and as kind as I am. I don't have to lose myself, but I also don't have to be a coward. But God's calling me to be different. God never, God never asked me to be that way. God's trying to allow me to be, be that way. And guess what? He's sitting there up there waiting, watching for me to become that way. And he's not, he's not being mad at me. He's not being impatient. He's like, this is what I knew. I'm kind of putting you in the grinder. And that's kind of what happens when we become Christians is we get put in that meat grinder and, you know, well, meat, meat comes out kind of bad, I guess. <laughs> but we get put in the refiner's fire and we come out better at the end of it, you know? So is that, is that, are you going through, um, like what, what trials are you going through that's causing you to feel like this, Matt? I guess the best way is to start from like the very beginning of everything. Yeah. Um, because this is not normal for me to say, I believe in, in God and in Jesus. Like this is totally like a new thing for me. So to sum my whole life up in a quick, short story, please. Um, at a young age, um, I was, I went to like a Baptist preschool. Um, I would go to church, not regularly on my own. Like there would be a bus that would come around the neighborhood that would pick people up. And I would attend once in a while. Um, I had a group of Mormons who lived in the neighborhood. I attended their church a couple of times. Um, not really sure why, to be honest with you. It was just, I knew that it was a good place to be. So I, I went. So I would have people around me give me an idea of what God was, what this religion was. And I was sexually assaulted as a kid um, by a family member. Okay, by a family member, gotcha. And it lasted a couple of years. Um, and... A lot of the things that people would tell me is, you know, gay people go to hell. Um, and I'm thinking that I'm going to go to hell, that God doesn't want me. Yeah. Um, and everything that people would tell me about, because I'd have questions. And everyone ultimately would come down to, well, you just have to have faith. You just have to have faith. That I hear God. That God didn't want me. That I was just an outcast. So and you couldn't tell anybody. That transpired. You couldn't tell anybody about it because right. that's that's embarrassing, dude. You know, right? Yeah, I mean, even though it was family, um, we had other issues going on in family that kind of made me to where I I couldn't bring this up because it was going to cause more conflict. And I I grew up in a very broken home. My mother um, had multiple sclerosis, um, and so my dad was raising five kids by himself. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was a very broken home Wow. and I didn't really want to cause more problems. Right. So I kept everything bottled up and that transformed me into being a bully. Um, cause that's the only way I knew how to receive love, even though it was the wrong kind of love from people. I wanted to be the, the cool guy. Um, and then that turned into drugs and alcohol and sex 
And I always kept God around. Um, for some reason, I, I, I wanted this relationship and I wanted to know how to get this relationship. And every time, like I said, I would talk to people, it would ultimately come down to, we just have to have faith, ask for the Lord, you know, to come into your life, say the Lord's prayer. And I did. Um, nothing happened. So a couple of weeks go by and I had a really bad day. So I say the Lord's prayer again and nothing happens. So I get really upset. And I'm laying down, going to sleep, and I'm processing my thoughts, and I'm just kind of talking to God openly. And this is the first time I've ever done this, so I said, God, you know me. You know who I am. You know that I need a sign. I need to know that you're real, that the reason why I'm not feeling anything is because I already have you. And I'm not sure how long it took. It wasn't very long, um, the girlfriend I had at the time random night I decided to drive her car to a grocery store that I never go to middle of the night it's pouring down raining and I park in a random parking spot and I get out and there are two sticks and a cross next to the driver door and a couple of parking spaces over there were sticks that were crumbled up like a branch had fallen and someone ran it over but I took that as my sign. I couldn't be ignorant to it. You know, I had to say that I asked for it. God gave it to me. This was my sign. Now, my life didn't change. I had a similar one to that, too. When I was I was praying to God once, I was I was running at a at a lake once. And I, um, well, I wasn't running yet. I was fixing to go running. And I was sitting in my truck. And I asked, um, I was looking down. And I was like, God, I need to know that you're still with me. Just give me something to show that you're still with me. And I looked up. And at that perfect time, a little like French fry looking cloud had intersected with a tower to make a cross. I mean, the minute I looked, I just looked up from my truck like this and it was boom, that that crowd had intersected perfectly to where it looked like a perfect cross. And then I was like, all right, that's what I needed. And, and then, you know, I went to run, uh, when I got out of my truck to run, that cloud had already, had already moved off of moved moved off of that so i had a similar one and a lot of people will say matt that that's not a sign but i i believe that was a sign that day for you likewise yeah i said it's been over a decade i can look back on life now and i can see how it helped me get to the point where i am now yeah that's so, a sign man that's how we interact that's how god interacts with us bro so okay keep going but man. yeah I'm sorry um, um, my life continued down the path that it, that it was, um, still doing the same stuff that I was doing. Um, and then this is where my life really took a change. A group of childhood friends of mine, we reconnected and we started to get into playing with the Ouija board and we had some weird stuff happen with that. So it piqued our interest into supernatural. So we decided to go to a haunted location and film and see if the stuff was real. And that night changed my life forever. And that was, let's see, that was probably, I'm 33 now. That was probably when I was 20 years old. So from that point forward, I dedicated my life to the paranormal, the supernatural. 
I actually, two years ago, before my life changed, I had a TV show on a network um, where I did this full time. And what was we would have conversations. Um, it was Project Paranormal. Do I do I know? That? Have I watched that before? Maybe. Project Paranormal TV series 2016. Um, it may be 2016. Project Paranormal. A ghost hunting TV show with a perfect blend of investigators with many years' experience under their belts. Um, we will sh- sure to not run away with the fairies, a TV show not based on viewer entertainment. Uh, Lee Steer, Charlene Lowe Kemp, and Ian Ainsley? No, no. So there was a show that ran um, that was out of the UK that had the same name. Oh, those guys are um, definitely UK, yeah. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not that cool, Zach. So we weren't on like your cable TV. We're um, Matthew we, um, Matthew Bullard, Clay Eckert, and Dan Guy. Yep. Yeah, that's me. Okay, yeah. I got you then. Yeah, your re- reality. We're, we're on a network. Yeah, we're on a network called Paraflix. So it's like Netflix, but it's for the paranormal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. Okay, keep going. Sorry. So uh, all of us guys, we don't have the same beliefs. We would always talk about it. And I would talk to the guys and I would tell them like, look, what we're getting into, is not good. You know, everything that we encounter is bad. It's never, we never have a good encounter with someone's dead grandmother who just wants to say hi. Yeah. It's either we don't experience anything at all or we experience everything at once. Um, and I got to the point where, because I'm doing it so much that I ended up being able to see things um, and I could tell what was there, what it looked like, what its intentions were. And it started to really trip me out. And there was one location that I went to in Ohio where supposedly there was a portal to hell, which most of these places have something along those lines. Um, But that night changed my life forever because something entered inside of my body. it was controlling my emotions. And I'm not a Christian at this point. I claim to be a Christian. And I was using what I was taught growing up um, from people, which I know now I feel bad for those people because I know that they're very uneducated and they're putting out false gospel. So um, the first thing I did was get away from the building and start praying. I was praying to the Archangel Michael, um, looking now I realized how dumb I was, but that's what I always told myself is that if anything were to happen to me, that's what I would do and I would be okay. Um, and it wasn't okay. Uh, I got home and whatever it was, it stayed with me. It haunted my dreams. I had dreams of becoming possessed for about a year. I would wake up in the middle of the night and sweats jumping out of the bed from my sleep. My wife, she can tell you exactly the same and I'd be screaming. Um, it was terrible. Uh, I started to notice churches around where I lived, even though I saw them every day, I would look them. And like it was an attractive woman, I would bend my neck to look back at it, even though I saw it every single day. The messages that were at the you know front of the churches, they were something meaningful. 
hopefully at that moment in time that I needed. So I took that as God is telling me I need to stop because if I don't stop, something bad is going to happen to me. So I did. I took a hiatus for a year. In that process, everything stopped. I reconnected with a couple of people and decided that I was going to give it a shot again. So I went to a location um, down in like an old town in Virginia. And um, the guy that I met up with, he claims to be a psychic medium. And he's taken him and his girlfriend. And the location that we were going to. After, hey, Matt, Matt, hold on a second. Hey, he, Hey, you're getting to where you cut. Uh, you're cutting out quite a bit. Is you? Is you? Do you have a secure internet connection where you're at? I do. I do. Okay. Are you moving around a lot? Are you moving around some? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Hmm. Okay. Well, I wonder if it's us. Then put this. Put this phone on the desk over there or something. See if we can get it like near some service. It's got full bars. I don't know. It just you'll go good for a while and then you'll start you'll start chirping out on us every now and then. And it's it's during some good parts. I don't want to miss the good parts. So okay, so let let's let I put the phone over there on the table. Maybe that'll work. Um so you you're at the part where you were you were gone for a year. You were gone for a year, and then you decided to come back. You reconnected with some people to get back into it, and then what? Yeah, I reconnected with um, some people that I met to get back into it, um, and because they claimed to be psychic mediums, they were pagans, um, and they had a teacher who was teaching them all of this stuff, and she was a psychic medium, and I knew that I, quote-unquote, had a gift because of what I could see and I didn't understand it because all I ever saw was negative things. Um, and so I was kind of killing two with one stone. The location that we were going to go to investigate was right down the road from where they did their pagan rituals and where they, like it was a shop where you could buy like rocks, whatever, whatever they use. Um, but she lived there their teacher. So they said, Hey, we can bring you to our teacher. Maybe she can help you figure out your abilities and what's been going on. And then once we finish that, then we can go do the investigation. So I said, okay, cause I really wanted to know what's going on. So we go there. Um, and it was a very weird interaction. Um, she said she actually left her place of business. She said that I made her sick, um, that she couldn't be around me. Oh, wow. And I felt offended, but I also felt bad because I didn't want to do that to her. Right. Um, long story short, um, everybody leaves, and I wanted to apologize to her. So I went back into the establishment, spoke with her. Um, she briefly told me a little bit. She said, I can't do anything for you. I can't read anything from you. You've got some walls that are up and um, something happened to you when you were a kid that really blanked you up. Um, there's nothing that I can do. I would just say, be careful of where you go and who you surround yourself with. Um, her son, I didn't know it at the time, he is autistic. And 
he does not interact with people. But he just so happened to walk up to me. I was on my knees. He walked up to me and he put his hand on the back of my shoulder and he kissed me on the cheek and then he walked away. She just kind of looked at me like, he's never done that before. So when I go to leave, everybody has left, walked down the street to the location that we were going to go to. I went to go shake her hand and tell her, you know, thank you, I'm sorry. And something in me told, told me to give her a hug. So I hugged her. And when I did, I felt something enter my chest and like bounce off the back of my rib cage and try to exit, but it couldn't. And when I let go of her and I stepped back, we looked at each other and we were both kind of in awe. So as I leave the location and I'm walking to go where everybody else is to the bar that we were going to go investigate, I'm, I'm coughing because it feels like there's something in my chest. I'm trying to get this out. And I walk up to the establishment. No one's there. It's shut down for us. I go to my car um, and everyone comes out of the building and they're like, what did she say? What did she say? And I said, she didn't really say anything. I'm going to go ahead and get my equipment out of the car. I go to my car. I go to the back side of it and I wrap around the driver's side. And as I walk up and I go to open my door, I look down and there's two sticks and a cross. Oh, wow. And that was about 10 years apart. Um, when it originally happened to me, I won't lie, there was some doubt because I, I thought maybe somebody put that there or, you know, there were other sticks that were in a pile. Maybe it just so happened to snap and flip and land that way. You know, every anytime, doubt. Could... Anytime you have an encounter with God, Satan will always chop it up. I've had some crazy encounters with God. Like, you know, when I had that vision about the numbers and the spirit of Phineas stuff that just cannot be explained. And, um, Satan always is able to plant his seeds as well with that. So you will never have an experience with God that Satan doesn't get his opportunity to plant seeds about that as well. And then you, just because we have free will, you have to choose which one you believe. But to me, there's always a sign and then a confirmation because, because God develops that relationship with you and his, his specific special relationship with you has to do with those sticks. He puts those there because he goes, he'll know it's me. You know, it doesn't mean that he that Satan's not going to get his opportunity, but by God putting those sticks there, he goes, I know if I do sticks, he's going to know it's me. And, and yeah, God's absolutely. confident of that. That That's so cool because I have similar stuff like that where God knows, he knows how to get my attention, me specifically, because that's that's been me and God's thing this whole time. It's cool to see that he has that special relationship with you too. So when you saw those sticks, what did you, what, did, did it instantly take you back to the first time you saw them? So the first time I saw them, like I said, I had that doubt that ran into my mind. But this location, it's hard for me to really paint a picture for you exactly what it looked like. But just imagine an old town. There's no trees. It's building to building. And behind this location is a river that's like 20 feet down. So there's a retaining wall right there. And it's just a gravel um, parking spot kind of off to the side and in the back of this establishment. There was no trees. There was nothing. It was a full parking lot before I left. And when I came back, there was two sticks going across. Every doubt that I had before was now lifted. Um, so for me, um, 
There wasn't any way for it to be accidentally there. That's what you're describing, right? Yeah, he said, yeah. He cut out, but he said, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting that. I mean, <laughs> that sign was definitely straight up. For you, bro. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I switched to my phone. That's okay. Phone. Phones are sometimes better. I, I switched to my phone because I was trying to send you a, send you the picture. Oh, he's got a picture. No, I'll just leave it there. I'll I'll look at it when we get done. We might uh we might I might send it uh, to Coco and have him put it in the clip. We'll probably do a clip of this and and I'll send that picture to Coco and have him upload to the clip. That's crazy. Okay. Did you ever figure out why that woman was uncomfortable with you? I never did figure that out. <laughs> I never did figure that out. Um, Do you think it's, I, I mean, Larry, me and Larry looked at each other like we were on the same page, but it's because you've always had the spirit of God inside you. And that's what I take from it. <clears throat> that's what I take from it. Absolutely. From every, um, The weirdest thing is. Yeah, I'm sorry. From everything that you said, um, yes, yeah, sometimes our flesh, we will go out and do something that we know wrong, but we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that Holy Spirit guides us and keeps us from getting into too much, and yet we yeah. fight and fight and fight, so we keep getting, you know. I knew that uh, <clears throat> several times that I had things happen where I almost lost my life, and I knew God had protected me even though I wasn't walking with God. I still walked under his protection. Yeah. And that's yeah, you why had, I'm still alive. You had the omnipresence of God living inside of you. And that's why she was uncomfortable. We had a pagan yeah. down here from the show. Um, I don't know. You remember pagan, pagan witch Jess? We had her on the show. She I'm was, not good with names. Yeah. If I heard the story, I would probably remember. She um, snuck out of her window and was raped at like a um, cult. Uh, yes. That's, yes. Yeah, so that's she, the one where I was like. Yeah, I kind of fell in love with you guys because uh, I almost cried while I was working. Yeah, so that lady that we interviewed in that show actually flew down from California and came to church at our um, at our church. Well, the night before, wow. the night before, we went to dinner with her. We went to yeah. dinner with her, and um, when we went to dinner with her, God told me to tell her something um, that one thing that she needed to do to move forward with her relationship with God um, was to forgive, to, for, to have forgiveness. And she said that she doesn't have anybody she doesn't need to forgive. And I said, no, not anybody to forgive. I said, you need to forgive yourself. And, yeah. and she started manifesting right in front of me and my wife. Larry didn't see it, but my wife, my wife was tripped out. She had never seen anything like that. Um, but she was snarling. Um, she clearly had, you know, something coming, um, out of her at that point. Um, even though we get, we can get along, um, with unbelievers and people that don't believe the same thing in us, you had accepted a gift at that point. And even though you were giving that lady a hug and you were interacting with her child, there was a spirit inside of you that is absolutely at war and at odds with the spirit that's inside of her. But the child's spirit could sense. No doubt. That, yeah, the child could sense your good spirit. Yeah, that's kind of what the whole interaction was really crazy for me. But honestly, 
at that point, that year hiatus that I took, I really started to reflect and think about God and everything. And this is going to sound crazy, guys. It's not what I believe now, but this is what I used to I used to believe that aliens were God. Um, I always thought that there was a connection between us and them and didn't really know why I made up this whole connection in my mind of what it could be. And that's the mentality that I have. So when I saw this cross, my immediate um, thought was, God is here. He's here to protect me. And everything that I've thought and believed is true, that I'm on the right path, that he's giving me signs that I'm on the right path. Now, that part was correct. The rest of it was hogwash. But um, it, that moment there really helped. It planted the seed and God was watering it. It just took, I'm stubborn, so it took a couple of years for it to really sink in. And so going forward, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with terminal cancer and passed away nine months later. She was put on hospice and she was in Delaware and I was in Virginia. So my wife was there with her, her mom um, while she was on hospice and I had to go back home on Sunday because I had to go to work on Monday. That night is the first night that I legitimately prayed to Jesus because I didn't believe Jesus was God. I didn't believe, I just thought he was a man and it was hard for me to comprehend that a man could be more than a man. Yeah. So I never really believed in Jesus. Kind of, same, so that night same, I prayed I, I was the same way at one point too. Same way as you that like, I didn't really, I prayed to God. I didn't really need this Jesus guy, but it was right. later yeah. on that I learned that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So that night I prayed to Jesus and I said, Jesus, if you're real, uh, take, take my mother-in-law um, because she is suffering. I mean, it went from her being fine to like, not fine, real quick. Um, I said, just take her. She doesn't need to suffer anymore. And I go to work the next day and I was driving truck. Um, I get a phone call midday. She had passed. So I stopped with work and I drove up to Delaware to be with the family. And from that day forward, I, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to him. And it was a process. My mother-in-law, she left us some money. Um, and her last words were, she wanted to make sure that me and her daughter had a child um, and that the child knew who she was. And she wasn't worried about her daughter because she knew that I would take care of her. So I had a really, um, I had a lot on my shoulders with the money coming in. You know, when people have large sum of money, they, they go crazy. But I prayed to God and I said, God, don't let me, don't let me do something wrong with this money. I want to be able to get a home. And do it in her memory and start a family. So we did. We paid off debt. We set ourselves up. We were in the process of everything. My stepmom passed away, who was really my, my mom. Um, she passed away suddenly. The weird thing how the process happened. We were looking for a home, but we weren't really committed. Well, my dad was now in this house that he couldn't afford and we're in the market that we were, that we're still in two years ago. Um, people could not buy houses. People were buying them outright with cash. There was 14 people that were on, you know, bidding wars and all this stuff. So I knew I was going to have to pay out a lot of money to get a house, but 
the process was really quick. I got a realtor, got everything within a week, put my first offer in on the home, got the house. Um, when I moved into the home, that's when I said to God, I said, now that you've helped me get to this point, I want you to fill my house with your presence. I want you to bring me home. I've trusted you this far. Take me home. And I prayed and prayed that every night for a year. And all of a sudden, one day at work, it's just me and another coworker. We work in a shop together. So we got nothing but time. He would talk about God and Jesus. And I'm over here talking about aliens and spirits. And all of a sudden, one day it just clicked. Man, I, I use my phone to listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of stuff that's meaningless. I wonder if I can listen to the audiobook of the Bible. So I did. A couple days go by, and it was a Friday. It was late in the evening, and I asked my wife, I said, can we go to the bookstore so I can get a Bible so that way I can study? She said, absolutely. So we go to the bookstore. and. I meet this man who was kind of like me. He had a broken past. He was trying to help me pick out a Bible. And he asked me, what church do you go to? And I said, we actually don't go to a church. Um, I'm just, I don't want to go somewhere where I know I'm going to be the center of attention and judge. Yeah. He said, well, this church isn't like that. And he gave me his testimony and he said, why don't you guys come check it out? I'll save a spot next to you guys, uh, next to you guys. That way no one bothers you. Come check it out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Yeah. The reason, so, the reason that I said that is because that's how we all should be. That really is. And when I'm, when I'm out there, God points out people that I am to talk to and, we, I invite people to discovery all the time because exactly what you said, this church isn't like that. Yeah. This church is here. It's a hospital for broken people. And man, I'm just so glad that there was somebody out there that could actually reach to you and God put him right in your path, man. That's how God does that. It's, oh, it's so fantastic. And so you went, you went into church and you sat next to this guy. Yeah, so it was actually almost a year to the day that I bought the house um, that I met him at the bookstore. And I told myself, I was like, me and my wife, we were talking about going to church, but we can never have the courage to go. You know, we didn't know which one to go to. There's so many. Um, and then when he approached us, me and my wife, we were both like, this guy was really cool. Let's go. Plus, I didn't want to make him look like a fool. So, for the first time ever in my life, I went to church on my own accord for the right reasons. And I remember that morning, I woke up really early, put on my Sunday best, and sitting out on the back deck, um, drinking my coffee, and I heard God. I heard God speak to me.
he said, I'm proud of you. Man, that is so just powerful. I mean, like, powerful. you submitted yourself on your own. You weren't coerced into it by somebody else, even though the invitation came. But you you made that decision to step into his house again. You know, the only, yeah. the only time that God's ever patted me patted me on the back was in church too. The only time I, um, I, that God's ever patted me on the back was, um, when we had a bunch of family that, and which we had a day that we had the church pew packed way more than that since then. But, um, God told me one day, he said, you know, it's because your obedience that these people are here. And, you know, he was saying that to like pat me on the back. Like, you know, you, you know, your obedience led these people here. And I was like, and I started crying. I was happy. And he said, if, if you continue to obey, you'll, you'll put a lot of more people in a lot more churches. And I was just like, wow, that was re- that was really cool. Uh, you know, I may not, I may not ever be a preacher or whatever you want to call it. That might not be my calling, but maybe my calling is to help people get back into churches all over the world. And that's okay with me because I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, dude, like, I used to be this guy that was like, don't go to church, man. Those people in church are stupid. They're all, they're gallivanting their, their money and talking about like, I was just so anti-church. And then I came to this one and I was like, you know, this doubting I've been going through these last several months, I'd have been done out of here if I didn't have, if it wasn't for this church, I'd done, I would done be deconstructed and, and out of, I'd, I'd have been, or I'd at least been backsliding at the very least backsliding. You know, if it wasn't for this church, you know, I'd be at the very least backsliding. But this is the church, the church, Pastor Gary, you, everybody else that um, that prays for me um, and has been involved in me in this community. And that's all I know to do right now, Matt, is I, I just know that I got to keep showing up. I don't I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why my faith is shaking. I don't know why I'm thinking the way I do. I don't know why God's allowing me to feel this way. And I don't know what to do, but the only thing I know to do is to not give up and to keep showing up. That's all I know to do. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's, that's really my problem is, is all of that. Um, yeah. But the story, the story doesn't end where God is amazing because a couple of months go by and getting close to Larry, that's his name. His name's Larry. Um, Are you kidding me? Oh, great. Are you kidding me? His name's Larry. Of course it yeah. is. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the loud that's welcoming fantastic. guy in church is named Larry. Well, okay. Of course it is. Yeah, okay. same. Yeah. So his name's Larry. And uh, another person who started to disciple me um, was looking for a house. And he's like, yeah, I've been talking to Larry. And I was like, why have you been talking to Larry? He said he does groups. He's like, no, he said he had a realtor company. And I'm like, or maybe it's his dad. And I'm like, okay, let me ask Larry a question. So I texted Larry and I said, hey, Larry, um, does your dad own Larry DeMarco Realtors? He's like, no, that's that's my company. I said, well, Larry, a year ago, I bought my house from Larry DeMarco Realtors. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Not only did God put me in the position to be where I was, but he chose this house for me, chose this man for me, 
to meet me at a bookstore on a random Friday and not to toot my own horn, probably because of my ADHD, but I read the Bible from front to back in two weeks. I couldn't put it down. Every day I'd come home and I'd tell my wife everything that I learned and I would cry like a baby. I felt so bad for everything that I was taught when I was a kid. Yeah. Because these people who claimed to be Christians were so misled and didn't know who Jesus was. And it weighs on my heart a lot now. Because if I had somebody who knew what I know back then, things could have been a lot different for me. Yeah. Um, The most scariest verse in the Bible is when Jesus says, you know, You've done miracles in my name. You you know, you claim you know me, but I'll tell you on that day that I never knew you. Depart from me. Yeah. Those are the Christians that I see that just like to go to church on Sunday that say they're good people, but as soon as they leave the church, they're cussing, road ragings, they're misguiding people, they have a lot of hatred in their heart. Those are the people that I fear that hell is not just a, a burning pit. I don't think God is evil by no means. I think we can use a lot of vivid imagery for things, but really what scares me more than hell is to be separated from God because what we all long for in this life is love and acceptance. And when you have that from someone who created you with a purpose, who will never judge you, who is always there and you turn your back on him, And once this life is over, he's gone. That is hell. I'll take fire any day over being separated from the one person who truly, truly loves me for who I am. And so I I, I fear for those people that are in our churches every single day who truly don't know who God is, who Jesus is. Um, And I went through a vicious cycle at first where I started to fall back into sin. At first, my life was changed. I stopped cussing. I stopped listening to secular music. I stopped, you know, um, fantasizing about women. You know, all of these things, all the stuff stopped. I was on fire for Jesus. And then I fell. Yeah. I felt terrible. And I said, God. With everything I was learning, I said, God, why would you put me in this position? Why would you change my life like this? Force me to read the Bible knowing that I'm going to hurt you. As much love as I have for you, why do you have this love for me when you know I'm going to hurt you? And then I'd go somewhere to my house and I'd find my Bible in a random spot that it shouldn't be in, that I go to every day. And I know who put it there. It was my wife. How many episodes have you not, not listened to, by the way? Uh, it's been like two months. Yeah. You, you need to go back and listen. This is kind of crazy. Uh, cause, um, I've been saying the same thing on the show. Like, I don't know, probably about a month ago, four episodes ago or so. I, I was pretty upset on the show saying, Hey, like, I don't really understand why, because I was seriously doubting my faith. I'm, I'm dealing with a sin myself. Um, and I'm dealing with this and I told God, I said, you know, if there's a chance that I could deconstruct because of the people I minister to, and there's a chance that, that I could go to hell, why would you even put me in this position? Why would you p- even put me in this position? And I was like, that doesn't sound like a good dad to me. 
This doesn't sound like a good dad to me. And what's crazy is he would talk to me like anytime I would just think that nothing would happen. I would just think that. But the one time I went to God and I said, God, what's the deal? Why are you putting me in this position? Like, why are you allowing me to doubt like this? This is crazy. Like I could go, I could go to hell. Like I'm your kid. Would you ever let me go to hell? And the one time I actually brought it to him, I heard him say, just trust me. Like, I got this man. Just trust me. And I'm like, well, it's kind of hard because, like, the the other option is kind of crazy, you know. And I heard him say, just trust me. And I was like, okay. You know? Yeah. But I was doubting, but, like. I mean, for for me, though, uh, my whole life changed. You got to think, I moved into this house. Currently, I'm in the garage where I converted this into my studio because I'm a filmmaker and doing the paranormal stuff. So I've got, like, my logo on the back. It's de- It's decked out. I've got Sasquatch on the wall, I've got all kinds of demonic imagery around me. Okay. So I totally was invested into this and I wasn't in the house for about a year. And then I told the guys when all this was happening, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I told them, I was like, this is who Jesus is. This is who the guy I've been telling you about. I finally, and that's what I tell people when I did, when I got baptized and I said my testimony, I, I said, um, I used to know about this guy named Jesus, but now I know who he is. Man, it makes. And a there's difference. a big difference right there. Oh yeah, that's a big huge difference. difference. Did that? Did they? Did they kind of cast you out at that point? Uh, no, kind of the opposite, but not that harsh. Um, I told him, I said, guys, and I, I, I was the one who paid for all the equipment. I was the head honcho of everything. I told him, I said, I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. Um, this is wrong. We seek the supernatural. We seek things that are weird that shouldn't be the good part of it. The reason why we're not finding the good part of it is because it's at church. The places that we're going, that's where the demons roam. That's why all the encounters that we have are negative. Mm-hmm. Why our lives are miserable. Mm-hmm. Come. Don't listen to what I'm saying, guys. And I said, if you guys really cared about me as much as you know that I'm invested in this, that my life is changing, you guys should be seeing this with your own eyes and, and wanting to see what it's all about. Give it a, give it a chance, please. You know, um, but I threw it all away. I quit. Called the network, said I'm done. Um, I had already filmed another season that never got released. Lost some money. I started going to Bible study every week. I was being disciple every week, going to church every week. Um, I even started doing stuff that was totally unfamiliar to me. I did like raising money in a dodgeball tournament for young lives, totally outside of who I was. My life was changing and I was following what God wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And then things started to get tough um, financially. And I struggled with that for a long time. You know, I've always tried to get a good job, be able to support my family and I've struggled. And my mother-in-law passing helped us get this house. Everything was fine, but life got in the way. And all of a sudden we get um, offered this job that was remote. And long story short of it is, it's um, some benefits for veterans. My father is a veteran who lives with me. My father received this benefit. He put me and my wife down as referrals. We met with the people. 
and they gave us the same benefit that my father has, and they asked us for referrals. I started going down the list of family and friends. Mind you, these people live in Idaho. I live in West Virginia. I get to Larry DeMarco's name. So Larry DeMarco. He said, wait a minute, where does he live? And I told him where he lived. He's like, I just met with his dad. I'm supposed to give him a call later this week. I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no, I'm being dead serious with you. I'm supposed to call him this week. He offered my wife and me a job from home that is life-changing money. Um, I took the sign. We have uh, a little girl. At the time, she was new, new, so my wife couldn't do it. So I started to do it part-time. Turned out it could be a little bit lucrative, and I prayed to God, and I asked the people around me, um, what should I do? What should I do? I didn't want to make irrational decision on my own. I wanted to help from the, from the people around me and from God. And so by doing that, I was working a full-time job while doing that part-time. So that took me away from a community group, took me away from my discipling. And um, I knew that this was for God, like from God, because all these connections with this guy, Larry, so I quit my job and I started doing this full time and I started, I'm going to school now. I go to college remotely as well. So I'm doing a lot of things. A lot of things in my life are changing. I've done things like you're talking about forgiveness for yourself, not forgiving other people. Well, I reached out to the family member that did what they did to me and I told him that I forgave him. What did he say? And I, He said, uh, I'm not really sure what to say he's like i didn't realize it affected you that bad but if it helps i'm sorry (laughs) oh my god but that's all i needed i didn't need him to respond me saying it to him i avoided it for 20 some years you know it was like a it was a tremor in the back of my mind a big way doing that oh yeah and the guy who was discipling me he helped me through this process because i kept telling him Every time I would get down in the dumps, I would just hear this voice in my head telling me that I was worthless. God doesn't love you. I know who you really are. I know what you really think about. I know what you've really done. So I had to talk to him, and I'm like, there's something eating me alive I have to tell you. Nobody knows except for my wife. And I told him. And through talking to him, God told me, I'll protect you. Reach out to him. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him that you you forgive him. So I did, and it helped. I'm doing all of these great things. I'm sorry. People don't understand that forgiveness is for you. It's not for them. It's for you, and it frees you up from the condemnation that Satan uses constantly against you. Yeah. Now I'm struggling. I'm struggling with doing what I feel like God wants me to do. But now he's taking me out of community group. He is taking me out of being discipled. I am struggling why very is, hard financially. Why do you feel like he's taking you out of it? Well, see, that's where I can. I am smart enough to know that part of it is me, that I can make a way if I truly wanted to. But at the same time, in my thought process, being human, I'm thinking. Why are you making it hard for me? You already made my whole life, and I gave everything up for you. 
and you changed my life, what did I do wrong to make you take it all away? Nothing. The reason why the reason why it has to be hard is because I think it's pretty clear from hearing your testimony thus far. I think it's pretty clear that you have a big calling for your future. And I don't know if what you're doing right now is the end all be all of that. And if you have a big calling, then you are silly to think that you're not going to go through big trials and big tests to get there. And in order to get in order to get to that big calling, these big trials and big tests are going to be big, hard, just like I'm going through. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm going through it right now. But one thing I've always noticed because God's kind of given me a vision of my future. I don't really know what my future is, but I know that I'm going to have to make some very difficult choices and I'm going to have to get through some very difficult things to be able to get there. It's not guaranteed. My calling that I have laid out for me, it's not guaranteed. I have to choose to get there still. And I have to make the choices that God has set out before me to get there. But if you think that you're going to have a big, massive call on your life and it be easy, then first of all, it wouldn't be worth it. It wouldn't be worth it anyway. But second of all, nothing, nothing from God comes easy. If something is easy, it's not from God. God makes you work for everything. And the reason why is he's a good dad. You don't want to just give your kids anything. You don't want to just lay their path out for them. No, they'll be little brats, and so would you, and that's the problem. I'm kind of, I kind of have the same mentality as you when it, when you talked about the deconstruction, where I'm like, I've gone through enough in my life. Yep. I I need to catch a break. Yep. You've done this to me. Now you're testing me. Why would you create? I didn't ask for this life. You chose me. Exactly. Why are you through this, knowing that at at the point that I was, if one bad thing happened. I would have denounced my Christianity and deconstructed and gone to hell. Why would you let that happen? Exactly. The reason why is the reason why is is because you accepted the call. You already accepted the call, and what you're going through is inevitable. It has. Well, that's where I feel lost. I feel lost in the process because I don't hear God anymore. And and I'll be honest with you guys, I stopped going to church. Yeah, don't. Um, You got to at least show up. That's the part I'd recommend is even through this, still show up because that's the part with me. Like, um, Satan had been able to keep me out of church for like a month, Wednesday night church. And I, and I was able to go last Wednesday and I felt a little bit of a feel for a couple days from that. And so I was like, okay, well I need to do this more. That's clearly a part of my issue right now is that I haven't been able to go. You have to at least keep showing up to give yourself a chance, bro. You, You have to give yourself a shot at this thing, but you, you've already well, accepted, I, I the, you've already accepted the call. Like it's too, it's too late to go back. now. I feel like I know what my calling is. I just don't know how to get there and I could see it at the beginning. And now it's you don't way need, off in the distance. You don't need to worry about how to get there. You don't have to worry about that. That's not, that's you, not you your doing. You don't get there. Yeah. You don't get to. You don't get to pick how you get there or what it is. Like God has taken you there. And what you realize it is like you can sit here and think that you you're driving this car all you want, but you're in a Tesla, bro, and it's an automatic yeah. mode. 
do you understand that you can doubt God and still be in his will? Yeah. Because you have flesh. God understands your flesh. Yep. He needs you to go even though it doesn't look right. Even though, you know, you have to develop that. You have to develop that trust. I got a question for you on your small groups kind of stuff. Are you a uh, partaker or are you a giver? Probably the most partaking. So you're just sitting there doing nothing? Oh, no, no. If you're talking about the ghost stuff, I no, would fully... No, 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 no. No, he's talking about your small groups in church that you go to you, those... Yeah, you were talking about oh. like, you're shutting that kind of stuff down a little bit and backing out of it. Look at two, yeah, look at two things. Group, yeah. Look at Larry. Okay? I, I imagine Larry does a lot of, of talking in groups that he's in. Yeah. He has something to give, so he's always giving. Oh, he's brought so many people to the church. Okay. Secondly, I'm going I'm I'm simply stating when you go to those classes and you receive, do you also give? And I'm not I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about do you put give in to the input? You've read the whole Bible in two weeks. There's a lot of that. Yeah, do you give your two cents, your testimony? Yeah. Like, do you talk ever? Do you do you recognize yeah. what he's talking about and elaborate on it? There you go. Yeah, so I'm not in uh, Larry's community group. Um, it's based off of where everyone's located, and they try to keep it at a reasonable amount of people. So the group that I was in, I was very engaging. Um, but I will say that I stepped back because my beliefs conflicted with their beliefs because of the world that I used to live in was kind of meshing with the world that I live in now. Yep. And so I think the issue that I was having was a lot of these people were raised in a Christian home and were taught one way and I do things in a different way. So my people were not necessarily looked at like they could be. Any, they kind of looked at me like I was a, and I was told that I was a baby Christian and they, I don't think that they took a lot of weight to the stuff that I believed. And to give an example, I've seen what this world has to offer outside of God. I know how real it is. And I've been down every rabbit hole that you can imagine. When the Bible speaks of the Nephilim and when Moses is traveling through the land and they, the spies go out and they come back and they say, we saw them, we saw them. We're like grasshoppers to them. They're, they're like the size of cedars. Well, cedars at, you know, uh, full maturity are like a hundred feet tall. Most people don't believe that the Nephilim, the giants were real or that the, the sons of God came down, which are the fallen angels and mated with the women, which bore the children of Nephilim. They don't believe in those things. Well, I beg the questions of, well, how were the pyramids built? Well, it makes a lot more sense for me now to, to, take God's word for it and know that there were supernatural forces on this earth at one point in time, just like when Moses was in Egypt and in the Pharaoh, his um, magician threw down the whatever and, and, the, and the snake came and then Moses threw down the staff and Moses' snake ate that snake. Mm-hmm. Do we take that as a story or do we take that as this is real? Well, if you take it as this is real, you cannot pick and choose what from the Bible is real and what is not. Something. And so I would bring up like the book of Enoch. Now I know the book of Enoch is not canon, but Jesus acknowledged the book of Enoch. So did Peter. So did Jesus's brother. They quoted from the book. We need, now, to, we need to ask Pastor Gary his thought God. on that. 
I don't think it's the inherent word of God. I know it's not, but to me, it's historical documentation that the Jews back then believed. The cross re- so reference things. It's a historical document. Right. Right. And so when I would talk about stuff like that, because for me, I can't wrap my head around people who are physically around God, all of a sudden turning against God to worship a piece of rock or a piece of wood. What, it has to be something tangible. What denomination is it? Do you mind you mind saying? Oh, I'm Southern Baptist. Have you have you thought about going to it? So they're non charismatic, right? I guess you could say. I think honestly, because you're you're very similar to the way I conduct myself and Larry can conduct myself. I would just not say anything bad about that church, dude. And by all means, I used to be Southern Baptist. And um, I didn't really know that there was like different types of churches out there, but like even though I was I was a very spiritual young man in private, because being spiritual wasn't really accepted where I was at. Like if a dude harmonized behind you when they were singing hymns, then people were like, "Yo, bro, Bill's harmonizing. Better watch out. Bill's gonna go to hell." You know, like I'm joking about that, but you get what I'm saying. Like nobody yeah. stood up, and then I come to this. Oh church, no, we're not like that. And I come to this church, and we're charismatic. It's an Assemblies of God church. We are um, a Pentecostal church, and we believe in the full range of gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit guides us. There's gifts. There's all this stuff. Um, And it just seems like it would fall more in line with um, the the way that you conduct your relationship with God. And I just would really try that. I would try. I would try that if I were you to see if it feels like home to you a little bit more. It's worth a shot. It's better than not going at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I know about Pentecostals. Um, and I'm just going to be honest with you. The thing that turns me off from it, and it's not necessarily because I don't believe it or I do believe it, but I think it would make me feel some type of way, maybe awkward or doubtful is the tongues um that to me i don't know how i would uh, uh react to that That's you know very, um, very biblical here's the problem with churches um here's the problem with churches about tongues okay if you read paul in tongues mm-hmm. he 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 loves people that speak in tongues there's clearly biblically a prayer language that you can speak in which is considered tongues okay now when you're by yourself it's completely fine to speak in your prayer language and um, speak to God in tongues and stuff like that. And I know it's strange. I get it. Um, that Everybody, when Peter and the apostles did it in the book of Acts, when they first did it, everybody thought they were drunk. They thought it was so strange. So I understand why somebody would think it's strange, but it doesn't mean it's not real, you know? And then, um, but yeah. the only thing in church, when churches start uh, dancing around and speaking in tongues and there's no interpreter there, then Paul discourages that. And the reason why he discourages that is because whenever you speak in tongues, you're only edifying yourself because that whatever you're talking, you and God are the only ones that understand that. But the whole reason, the whole reason for church is to edify the entire body of church. So Paul discourages people speaking in tongues without there being a translator there because we're trying to edify everybody. But you're just showing off about how awesome your relationship is with God if you're just speaking in tongues there and Paul discourages against that, which I totally agree with that. That's biblical. And so what this church does is whenever it it doesn't happen all the time, they do not schedule it. It doesn't happen on command. But what happens is 
when someone does feel led by the Spirit to speak in tongues, somebody translate that. And, dude, it's powerful, man. It's powerful. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Come visit us. Well, but, I mean, if you visit us, that's the problem. You yeah. come and visit us yeah, one time. Yeah. Like it may not happen. Like we, well, no, we allow it to, we allow it to be, <laughs> but to be, to be real. Sometimes it happens every week, but sometimes it goes a month and it doesn't happen. Like it's very real. That's yeah. why I'm on, I'm very skeptical about those kinds of things too, brother. But trust Matt, me. You said it yourself. You can't pick and choose what you believe in the Bible. Yep. Paul's literally right. talking about it. He talks about there's several places in the yeah. Bible, several places. So yeah. study into that. And I, and I'm, I'm going to step out a little bit. I feel like maybe the silence is to help direct you somewhere. Yeah. God's silence. If, sometimes. if you have, if you have reached that season where you need a different clarification God will use that to lead you to where he wants you to be. Yeah. You can't have this kind of high energy chase of God without results. Yep. Yeah. But there are plenty of times when direction that you need to go isn't the direction you're going in right then. But he needed you to go down that path to learn. You know, just, you're you're in West Virginia, you say, so you know the the four seasons. We're, we live in Oklahoma. We don't really get all four seasons unless it's all in one day. Uh, but, yeah. you know, everything has its season. And you have reached, to me, I feel that you more than likely have reached a pinnacle of where for you to elevate, you must step into a, out of the high school and into the college. During uh, how about that? During my relationship with God, I've found I have found three things of why God when God's not talking to you, three things are usually happening. And this is from my experience only. Um, the number one thing is he is talking to you and you're not listening. That's the number one thing uh, for me in particular. God has even brought that to my attention before. Hey, if I could get you away from your devices long enough, I'd talk to you more. Okay, got gotcha. you. Or he's he's doing he's giving you the or you're giving him the wife treatment where your wife's screaming in the other room. Hey, honey, can you do the dishes? And you're saying, can't hear you, babe. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Going out with the guys. That's one of the things too. Um, and we just subconsciously try to block it out because God's telling you to do something that you don't want to do. Um, number two reason why God isn't talking is because He's already given you something to do and you're not doing it, and He's not talking to you until you do it. And, at, and if it, if this was the case, you would know what it is and you would know what you need to do. And then yeah. the, the third one is it's the test. God is, God has given you a test and you're in a testing period now. And the teacher's silent through the test. And the teacher's silent during the test. So that's the three All things All that comes to my mind is the book of Job. That's what I feel like my life is. It's the book of Job. Um, I'll never give up on God. I've never given up on God. Um, how could I? Now that I know who he is and what he's done in the selfless act, I can never. Um, You're just in a weird spot. Angry. You're just in a weird spot. Yeah. Dude, you need to go back and I listen to the last couple of months. Oh. I've said the same things. I've said the same things like, I'll never give up on God. I've said those same things. I'll never I'll never give up on God, but I just don't know what's happening. You've even said you feel like Job. Yeah. How could you? Yeah. I feel, you know? I feel like Job. I've even, you know, there's this part in Job where he says, he talks to God. He goes, why would you even bring me out of my mother's womb if you were going to put me through this yeah. 
And yeah. I I felt the same the same thing. Um, there's and, so much in there's so much in it. Um, more than that, I mean, there's so much in that book. Um, for me, when I first got on fire, God was telling me what He wanted me to do, and I was hoping the church would do it. I just wanted to go out and evangelize. I wanted to go out and tell people the good news. And I felt like I would be a good person to do that because of the lifestyle that I lived and what's popular now with, you know, the occult and new age. You know, these people believed what I believed and I could point them in the right direction. They can relate to me. I need to reach these people, but I wasn't confident enough to do it on my own because I couldn't just pull scripture out of my butt. You know, I needed people to be there with me to help support me. And the church didn't do that, you know, their main goal is to go overseas, you know, for like a week. Um, and to me, that's not enough time. And I agree with what my wife says, where we are in a Christ crisis in America. Amen. There are so many people that are instructing. And I have a good friend of mine who went over to Turkey for a week and came back and said he felt um, ashamed because he had to go to the other side of the world to do something that he could have done right outside of his door. Yep. That's what I want. You know, I want to help these people. I don't have the support of going to an abortion clinic and telling these women not to do this. And I can help them because I don't have a, a church backing me. You know, I don't want to do these things. And so I'm, that's what I'm really looking for is to help my local community. Because yeah. There are mega churches out there that can go overseas. That's one thing. This is off on a little bit of a tangent, but Mormons have got it right. When they go on their missions, they're gone for two years. We need to go somewhere. We need to, to plant a church, plant the seeds, water it, let God help it grow and move on. Not every church can do that. Churches need to stay localized. If they can't do that, then they don't need to spread outside of that. There you I go, know man. that our spread the gospel to every nation doesn't mean it has to be all of us. If your community is hurting, then you need to help them. And I went to my pastor with concerns with my life, what's going on with my concerns. And I did not get the answers that I wanted. And I know that my pride is controlling a lot of my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Welcome to be a 33, my brother. Right. But I know that I am mature enough to be able to realize this is me, yeah. but I'm not totally, totally wrong, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like I'm not, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Um, and I, I, I know what I want to do. I'm a filmmaker. I want to document people's stories, their testimonies, oh my um, because going out in public and, Spreading the gospel not only does so much for that person, not only are you saving lives and, and planting seeds, but you're doing so much for yourself. Bro, you said your, we just your position's a remote, remote position. I'm going to interrupt you. I don't even care. People say I interrupt too much. I don't care. Yeah, you're, you're good. You're good. Your position's remote? Yeah. Just move to Oklahoma. That's the solution. I, yeah, you well, see the me, worst part do, is, do you see, is, me, um, do you see, no, my, do you see me laughing? Laugh, but I'm saying, oh my gosh! I mean, he is. T- listen, a- am I, I laughing? From, from, I, no, I wasn't joking. From, from my point of view, on this end, I feel like he is a mixture between you and me. Exactly right. Like, <laughs> and then it, you add a little bit of Mark yeah. 
on top of all that. I, I identify. Like, this, this is, is the, kid here. I want. Yeah, I want him in one of my classes. This is the most I've identified with a person ever. I know what he's going through. I I almost feel like I know what he's going through behind the scenes, just because. And I know he doesn't know it because he hasn't watched the episodes recently. But if you go back and watch the episodes, I think your jaw's going to hit the floor, Matt, well, I, about what I, I've been going through. I know that he needs a Larry hug. Well, come he on. Needs a Larry hug. He needs well, he needs a full but on Larry hug. Here's the deal. Uh, we're we're I starting a testimony. Same, I have said this. My wife's over there nodding her head. I've said the same thing about what he what he talked about missionary work. We are all called to be missionaries. Every yeah. one of us. And yeah. my mission field is outside my door. I don't yeah. have to go to another country. I'm look, I'm a full blood. Okie, there's no way for me to be misconstrued from a different country, so I choose not to go to them. Yeah. All right? I would rather never be anywhere but in America. I've driven a truck all over this United States. But anyway. But, no, I'm saying he's absolutely correct on that. We need to make our area around us the mission field. Yeah. We did the church plant. Because if you do that. We're doing the church plant in Arena. Yeah, we're doing a church plant in El Reno for that reason. Yeah, we did a church plant in Texas for that reason. They're expanding churches and everything. So, yeah. Anyway, I really think you should move to Yukon Mustang, Oklahoma, and join the Help My Unbelief ministry, and we'll do great things together. And then you have a nice church that you go to that, I, honestly, we sound a lot alike. I think you'd fit in perfectly here. Yeah, you'd be a little uncomfortable, but it's fine. But anyway, we got to do the rounds. We got to do the rounds or or because we're going to— we're going to run out of time. We're yeah. at 156. I Before we do the rounds, I got one more question for you, Matt. Yeah. But but just yeah. just answer yes or no. You don't have to go into a detail on it. Um, when you came to Christ, did you lose your spiritual gifts of like seeing into the spiritual realm? Did you lose that? Yes. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. Some people do. Some people don't. That was because most of it was demonic. Okay. Um, we're going to do the rounds. Larry, go ahead. All right. Um, I always read a verse, and I felt like I was – flipping through the pages, trying to find something. And God pointed this out to me and it's a little bit longer than I normally do, but you're going to understand the reason why. And yes, I, we're, we're actually starting up a testimony. The, there is power in people's testimony there. It touches people. And I'm telling you, you have my phone number now, right? He's got my phone number. No, um, we're on discord. I can send him your number. Though. All right. Say, we're going to send you my number. You're going to start getting a devotional from me in the morning one, but I want to be able to have a conversation with you. Okay. Um, Amazing. Thank you. I'm in Colossians one verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation for through him. God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything, and for God in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, 
separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and all his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe to st- this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Change that from Paul to Matt. You're called by the Lord. Okay? And I feel that very strongly right now. And it, the place that you're at right now is too small. You can't grow. The fish tank, use a fish tank. You put a goldfish in a small tank, he's going to be little. Put a goldfish in an ocean, he'll, be, he'll grow. That's you, Matt. Right now you're surrounded by your environment that is containing you. And I'm talking to somebody who needs to be outside that, con- that container. I love everything that you said, and I feel this completely. I would love to have you here. I would love to watch you grow in the Lord. And I would love to be part of that. My turn? Uh, yeah, because I'm going to start crying here, man. Well, I think not start. You're just you're gonna do. You're gonna cry more. Okay. Yeah. Um. I I usually I usually pretty good about telling people's like spiritual gifts and and being able to help them start them. I don't know what your spiritual gift is, but for some reason I can tell whatever you're called to do, it's big. It's big, and with big calling, with big callings comes um, big pain. Um, you're gonna go through a lot of pain in order to get to get you to the person that God needs you to be. And I know that sucks. And we're going to get off here. You're going to be encouraged from this phone call. We're going to get off here. You're going to go right back into it. It's going to hurt more. Um, and you just need to give yourself a fighting shot at this, man. Like, do not remove yourself from other Holy Spirit-filled believers and expect yourself not to just be beating yourself up all the time. Like, I don't, like, if me and you are going through anything, if our brains are anywhere near going through the same thing right now, then I could not imagine where I would be if I took myself out of the church. Um, the only thing I know to do is to keep showing up right now and to keep just saying, God, I don't know what you're doing and I'm pissed off about it. I hate that you're doing this. I don't agree with it. This sucks. This is stupid but I'm going to keep showing up because, gosh dang it, I hope you know what you're doing because this sucks, dude. And I know I know that if I'm called to be do something big because I have a big calling on my life too, and if I'm called to do something big, then the guy I am right now is not going to be able to do it. I know that God's going to have to change me. I know for a fact he is because the guy that I am right now ain't going to cut it. And so we have to allow that. We have to allow that to happen. In order for that to happen, there's going to be a ton of pain. And we probably haven't seen the half of it yet. And what whatever it is, there's a finish line, though. You know, Larry, you said something good to me the other day. I'm going to give you credit. I don't give you credit enough. 
talking about the, you put life into perspective. I have been running this life like it's a sprint, like it's a hundred meter dash. And I've been just going all out, but I've ran marathons before. And the way you run a marathon is nothing like you run a sprint. Mm -hmm. It's nothing like it. And you have to train your body and you have to put your mind in certain locations. You know what? I'm going to slow down right here. And then I can speed up there. And then I can slow down here. And then I can walk here. And then I can slow down here. Because to run 26.2 miles, it's a, it's a different ball game. And I have been running life like a sprint. And it is okay to just slow down, look at your surroundings, give God praise, even if you're just going through the motions and just not worrying about having to do, do, do right now. Because no matter you like it or not, you've already submitted your life to Christ. You've already accepted the call. And he's got this, man. He's not going to let you go too far astray without jerking you back in. Understand when you wake up tomorrow morning that he's got this and you've already accepted the call and there's nothing you could do about it. I'm going to close mine, what I got to say, with a vision that God gave me about a year ago. And it helped me understand a little bit about spiritual warfare and what it has to do with this calling. But the vision God gave me was I was climbing a tree. I was climbing a tree and um, I was actually, sta- I was standing next to a tree and next to that tree, I, I had a like um, a big old shiny, vibrant harness on um, and the harness was like glowing gold and it was, and it was just this big harness and there was a big beast that was sleeping under a tree next to me, under a different tree next to me. And when I started climbing the tree, the beast woke up. And it tried to shake me out of the tree. And I had this glowing harness that was attached to me. And this beast was very loud and he was mean and he was trying to shake me out of the tree. And he was yelling things at me like, you're going to fall out of that tree. You're not going to make it up to the top of that tree. You better might as well just climb down. And I understood that there was nothing this beast could do but shake the tree. I could not fall out of the tree. I couldn't get hurt. The only thing that could possibly stop me from getting to the top of that tree was if I climbed down from it. If you look at what that vision showed me was, the harness is the Holy Spirit. The tree is your walk of life. And the beast is Satan. Satan's loud, and he's going to shake the tree, and he's going to try to get you to come down. He's going to try to get you to walk off the tree. He's going to try to get you to climb down and stop your walk. But at the end of the day, he can't kick you out of that tree. That's not his position. The only person that can get you out of that tree is you. Floor is yours. Well, I would like to um, read a Bible verse as well. Um, this is probably the most meaningful one to me because this is me and this is a lot of us. Um, and even though I'm struggling, I'll never turn my back completely on God. Um, and I know that this verse stays true with me even to this day. So I want to end on on that. So it's Luke 15 verses three 
through seven. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And I just want to say thank you guys for what you guys do. Um, through my process, you guys were there. Um, through my searching of YouTube, looking for help, guidance, you guys came along and you guys are somewhat of role models of giving people that avenue to talk and not argue, not debate, because if you show them truth and kindness, God will do the rest. So there's no need for an argument. Um, it's not our job. And you guys are amazing. And I thank you for continuing. I know, Zach, that you've struggled. I've heard it. You know, you've wanted to give up. Um, don't. I won't. Absolutely. Amen. Because this has helped me out a lot today. Yeah. You helped me. You helped me, man. Seriously, this encouraged me. It's filled me right up, dude. I'm ready to go. It just lets you know that you're not the only one feeling this way. I just want to let you know, too, that I didn't I didn't laugh. I didn't smile or anything when I said to move down here. I would love to have another um, soldier in the battle with me down here. So, Amen. Um, and I know I know West Virginia to here. I mean, your football team stinks, so that's one thing that would help you, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, like, but like honestly, man, like, um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. If you, you if you ever wanted to move here, I mean, you'd you'd have a place right here. So, um, anyway. sounds good. All right, love you, brother. I I uh, love serious, you guys too. I I'm going to leave it up to you, Matt. Uh, yeah, we're going to send you our numbers. Zach, yeah, we'll have Zach send you the number, and the only way for me to get a hold of you is you reach out to me. Okay, you'll hear from me, Larry. All right, buddy. Love All you, right, man. Love you, man. Love you guys too. You guys take care. Have a great rest of your day. All right, bye. Wow. Yeah, I like that, man. I'm Bible. encouraged. Yeah. I'm encouraged. It's cool because... I'm encouraged there's other Larrys out there. Yeah. There's other Zachs out there too, huh? Um, hey, but we, we got to... Let's let's not bore the viewers with more because I think that said it's guff. So go ahead and take wow. us out from here. Jesus loves you, and so do I. Thank you for watching and listening. We are out. Thank you for watching or listening all the way to the end. To be a guest on the show or to get a hold of us, please contact us at info at helpmyunbelief.org. And more importantly, make sure to check out new episodes every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Central.